Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I finished fights! I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Well, 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 boys. Sorry for the wolf tickets. This is not John Anik and Kenny Florian, but this is the Anik and Florian Podcast. Here with an emergency edition Friday night. Guys, it's been a hell of a 48 hours. Yesterday, big drama show at the press conference. Gets called off. Fights with Laura behind the scenes. We've yet to see video from it. I know everybody's grinding for that. We show up this morning at the early morning weigh-ins. You know, expect to be hunky-dory. Everyone's going to come and make weight. Wrong. UFC 279, UFC 279 catch weight is what they should call it. Mm-hmm. I believe there were about eight bouts that ended up being a catch weight. But the final three got scrapped. Hamzat Chamayev came in. Seven and a half pounds over from Nate Diaz, who weighed in an hour before. No real attempt to come in and adjust that weight. So the UFC went down to the drawing board. They re-scrapped the whole card. We ended up with a little bit of a moving, um, what's the word? Musical chairs here at the at last three fights. So, fellas, I just kind of want to get your takes here after what has been a whirlwind 48 hours. BP, we'll start with you. How do you, what is your thoughts here as a fan sitting at home? We got a better card, boys. I'll say it. We got a better card. I like all the matchups they switched together. The UFC comes through again. I know this card wasn't have a lot of meat on the bones. Everyone was coming for Chmaev and the Diaz. But give me Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson all day. Give me Holland and Chmaev, especially since they got in a fight in the back. Uh, reportedly, we haven't seen the video yet. And obviously, the Leech versus D-Rod is going to be an absolute fucking banger. So the UFC done well for us. I mean, this is absolutely crazy. I mean, this is this is what you you know. I can't imagine what our 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 host, our our compadre John Anis going through, Dana White, all the people that are actually working about this. But as a fan, I am jacked to the tits for this one, boys. Yeah. No. Listen. I, I think this is why the UFC and other promotions have kind of moved to this type of format. What do you do? Well, if the shit hits the fan, you get someone else or a couple other guys that could fill in and be kind of pushed around. Um, And, and, you know, uh, this new format um, is is why this card has benefited. You know, I I think all things considered, um, you know, it sucks that Hamzat and Nate Diaz aren't going to be able to go at it, I think, for the UFC or whatever. But I think they made the best out of it. And we got actually better matchups. Think matchups that make more logical sense right so i i think um you know as far as the the matchmakers and the people involved uh they were able to pull off um what i what i thought was going to be really difficult to pull off so uh very impressed that they're able to do it i still think we get some great fights very interesting fights 
as well. And uh, can't wait to break it down with you guys. But a lot of craziness that happened too, guys. I mean, like yesterday, you get the fight that happened, right? You get the fight with Kevin Holland and Chimaev that happened backstage. That obviously is happening now, which is cool. We get kind of a, a juicier fight there in some regards. Um, but to me, what I'm seeing from Chimaev getting into it with Costa on fight week, getting into it with Kevin Holland, not making weight. I'm seeing a lack of discipline all the way around. I'm not saying that's the case with his training and how he prepares for fights, but at the same time, the emotional maturity, that matters. And in a fight of epic proportions, when you're going against someone like a Nate Diaz who can, um, you know, flip the bird and get you off your game and, and get you to brawl with him, I don't know. I, I, I think... I don't know. Did Chimaev dodge a bullet or did Nate Diaz dodge a bullet? I'm still trying to figure it all out, but um, I think it's something to watch uh, in, in regards to Chimaev and how he progresses in his career. But um, I don't know. Interesting stuff. Well, and to your point, Ken Flo, I think the safety of setting up a card like this is something that the UFC has been doing as of recent. And an argument, not argument, discussion I was having online with one of the Sirius XM co-hosts was – in the past, the UFC would just scrap an event like this. You know, oh, mm -hmm. Main events off, like not worth the trouble, like whatever. But they can't do that with this new UFC deal or the ESPN deal. You can't be no. canceling dates, you know, ipso facto at this stage in the calendar. So the fights had to go on. The card had to happen. And right. I, I do agree. I think we did end up with, you know, the best case scenario. And I, I said yesterday on Remember the Show, you know, wouldn't it just be fantastic if the MMA gods somehow gave us Tony versus Nate? And what did we, we end all up want with it. Tony versus Nate in the main <laughs> event? We all want it. And vintage Tony, you see the, I guess he's going for blonde hair. It's more gold, but he's vintage Tony's out cuckoo, babe. He's ready. Came out with the baseball. <laughs> I don't know what the baseball bit is, but he's, he's, he's rocking. He loves with baseball. It. He's got and an arm dead. sleeve. He's got an arm sleeve. Like, you know, like, is it a copper fit? Does he have elbow problems? I don't know. Is he, you know, sponsored by him? But I love Tony Ferguson. I mean, I listen <laughs> They're getting paid tail end of their careers respectively for both of them. I love seeing it, them getting the bags main event, five rounds guys. Neither guys had cardio issues regardless of short notice or whatever. And uh, it, it's only like Kenny mentioned offline. It's the only shame is we didn't get it earlier at 55 in their primes. Cause that would have been fucking bananas. Exciting stuff, boys, exciting stuff. And that's at the top of the card, but we're going to start at the first fight Stop. that was announced. The Legion Liang versus Daniel Rodriguez fight. The leash, Lee Jing Leon enters the cage fresh off of a July 16th win over the King of Kung Fu over here in Long Island. The Chinese-born fighter training out of Beijing enters this bout, a spry 34 years of age, winner of three of his last five. 19-7 and seven career record, boasts 11 UFC wins since 2014. He'll look to get that figure to 12 as he enters the cage against Daniel Rodriguez. BP, I'm going to start with you. The yes. leech is plus 135 against his new opponent with D-Rod at a minus 155 clip. It's been moving since it got announced about two hours ago. But yeah. with this line, who you got? Man, I love this fight. I love all the fights, like I mentioned earlier. The leech is a banger. The leech will get in there and throw with anybody. He's got a great chin. Defense uh, left to be desired because he relies on his chin, but he does have power. I mean, this guy knocked out Ponsonibio. He has one-touch power. But Daniel Rodriguez is smooth, man. I mentioned it when we broke it down earlier. He's technically good. Uh, he moves forward, puts a pace on you, and, and he he can crack. And he has survived some stuff in the octagon. He dropped that decision loss to Dolby, which, eh. Really wasn't right. a decision loss, but he's been clipped in there. He's been rocked in there. He's been put down. He's got up and he's won fights. And uh, that that's something you want to see in a guy who's who's starting his career off six and one in the UFC. I like Rodriguez. I like him at this number. I wanted. I wish I could live bet right now. I got to wait till tomorrow. But 
I want to catch him before he touches 200. Uh, 155 is a juicy price for me. I like him. I think he's a good parlay uh, price as well. 155 is a really sweet spot for parlays because then you can not inflate your price all that much. But uh, I think he pieces up uh, the leech for like three rounds. I don't see a finish happening because they're both both solid dudes. But uh, yeah, D-Rod, D-Rod, I think, is a special guy right here, especially this matchup. Well, and I would expect that over to be juiced a little bit, given these guys' yeah. track records. Both of them very durable, both very good fighters. Ken Flo, D-Rod from the streets of L.A. L.A. really, you know, making its stand on this card this weekend. From the streets, 35 years of age, 16-2 and two record, winner of his last three fights, including victories over Mike Perry and Kevin Lee. His six UFC wins have been impressive. Holds a contender series win from 2019. He looked to add a fourth straight to the belt here against Li Jingliang in this newly formed belt. Ken Flo, you're the legend here. How do you see this fight going? Man, I, th- this is an interesting fight. I, I think that uh, the leech is going to be a little bit more technical. I think he's a little bit more mobile overall. He's going to be faster. Um, but D-Rod, with that pressure, with that durability, um, and with that chin and his ability to just believe in himself and keep coming back, like like BP was saying, um, and the fact that, again, we can't ignore this, props to the leech, by the way, for taking this fight yeah. against a dude who's weighing in at, you know, 179, right? 179, 180. Yeah, he weighed in a little under 180, yeah. Yeah, so on, on fight night, you know, you got to imagine he's going to have maybe that, he's probably stay with that 9, 10-pound weight advantage. That matters. Um, it matters when you're hitting something that's bigger than you, and it matters when you're getting hit by that larger thing as well. Mm-hmm. D-Rod can crack already. He doesn't need any help as far as the weight goes, but he's going to get it. And that, to me, is why I need to go with D-Rod. I I think he gets it done. I'm not sure (laughs) if he's going to get the finish here, but um, I think it's going to be an absolute banger on both sides. I wouldn't be surprised to see Leach kind of early on landing shots, you know, Mm -hmm. getting his his speed going. Uh, But then D-Rod just kind of creeping in, uh, getting in his face and and kind of uh, stealing the fight later on later on as it goes as it goes to the second or third round yeah great minds thinking alike here guys you might want to take that over to the DraftKings Sportsbook you can head on over to John's profile use that link in the bio download the app helps the show out greatly fellas this co-main event is a fight that we didn't know we wanted until it happened backstage and now all of a sudden we get it so the MMA gods giving us a bit of a gift here Boris Chamayev comes in after getting bumped down he missed weight this morning didn't really seem all that upset about it. You know, kind of had this nonchalant attitude. BP and I were texting people on the ground where there was just a lot of disrespect. And so hopefully, as Ken Flo said, that's not something that bleeded into his training or bleeds into this fight coming up this weekend. Hamzat's 11-0 overall. Kevin Holland is 23-7 and overall. At one point, I believe Kevin Holland had the record for the most fights in a calendar year, which was then taken over by Hamzat Chemaev. So a little bit of interesting flair there, which I could be incorrect about. I didn't do my whole research, my boys. But Let's Hamza Chamayev at this no updated line. You're right. You're right. <laughs> the updated line here is about half of what it was uh, with right. the Diaz fight. So minus 580. He was, uh, I believe, up to a minus 1200 against Diaz. Kevin Holland yeah. plus 440. It was a much closer fight against D-Rod. A lot of line movement here. Kenny, I'm going to start with you in the co-main so that you can go last in the main event challenge. Hamza Chamayev minus 580. Kevin Holland plus 440. How do you see this fight going? Yeah, I, this is interesting to me. You know, I, I do think that um, Kevin Holland is an interesting challenge in that, you know, here you have another guy, tall, lanky. Um, you know, he's he's okay on the ground. Um, you know, he's going to be feisty. He's going to be 
the guy who's who's talking shit to Hamzat, trying to get him off of his game. So I'm curious to see how Hamzat reacts to that. I think this is a great fight for Hamzat to build up into those bigger fights um, because there's Kevin Holland and then there's the Kevin Holland shit talk that you got to deal with. So you got like mm-hmm. two opponents uh, and seeing that uh, Chimaev might be somewhat, um, I don't know, maybe easy to, to take off a little bit. Um, I, I'm just curious to see how he responds throughout this whole process. So, uh, and again, with the backdrop of what happened last night, we have, you know, we, we get a much spicier fight here. So, um, here's the, here's the thing though. I think Hamzat, um, is a nightmare matchup for someone like Kevin Holland. Why? Uh, because he can wrestle number one. Um, I don't think Holland's jujitsu is good enough or on the level of a Nate Diaz where Hamzat might be tentative. Uh, or hesitant in taking him down. I don't think he's going to be scared of Kevin Holland. I, I just don't think Holland is good enough off of his back to be a submission threat against someone like uh, Hamzat Chimaev. Uh, so the wrestling is a factor. The other thing that's a factor is Hamzat's ability to slip and rip and move forward and pressure guys and bring insane power. Uh, that, to me, is going to be troublesome for Kevin Holland um, because his only, in my opinion, the way I see it is for Kevin Holland to kind of deal with that pressure is to clinch with him. And that's only going to allow Hamzat to do what he does best, which is throw people on their heads. So uh, it's a tough one for Kevin Holland. Um, Holland's best bet is to catch him with some kind of a counter strike coming forward. I just don't see that happening enough. Uh, we saw Chumayev's chin on full display in his last fight against Gilbert Burns. I mean, Gilbert Burns threw that right hand. Was it a right hand or a left hand? That would have chopped most people's heads off. Um, Chimaev was able to eat it and continue moving forward. He was definitely hurt, but it wasn't enough to knock him out. Uh, that to me shows that he's got toughness. He's got durability. He's got a chin to boot. Um, I, I like Chimaev here. Uh, I think he gets a finish, um, uh, somewhere around the second or third, third round. BP over to you. Yeah, I, I see this fight. It screams finish on either side. I think we can't count out Kevin Holland here. Yes, is wrestling a suspect. He's working with Johnny Hendricks. He's trying to get that down. He's looked pretty good at 170. This is a catchweight, obviously, they're both. But the one thing that is holding me back from going all in on Shemaev, I think Shemaev, when he gets Kevin to the ground, he's going to get him to the ground. I think when he takes your back and uh, it, it takes your back, I think it's a problem. Kevin Holland's been submitted by Brennan Allen by rear naked choke. That's kind of Hamzat's move. He's strong in that position. Kevin Holland doesn't really try to get up. He plays the game on the ground. That's going to be not so great when he gets against Hamzat. But Kevin Holland, to take this fight, said, I wanted that five rounds. I want five rounds. Kevin Holland taking a fight on relatively short notice against D-Rod, got bumped to this. They got some beef. Shemaya missed weight, which throws a lot of question marks in. Why did he miss weight? He's known about this fight forever. We all dissect the little video of the Costa where there's a little bit of a limp. There might be a leg issue. So if... Shemayev gets pushed to the fourth, fifth round, which we've never seen. That's going to be interesting. I mean, Kevin Holland isn't like the cardio machine that Nate Diaz or Tony Ferguson is, but he is a guy that Kenny mentioned that's going to get in your head. He's going to smack you. He's going to talk to you. And Shemayev has a short fuse. Um, So I'm screaming prop. I'm screaming Shemayev by submission or Kevin Holland with a stunner knockout. I think you you can hedge your bets and play both ways. But for the sake of the show and the sake of the game, I'm picking Shemayev. Um, just because I think he's a little more well-rounded. And then Kevin Holland said at the press conference, or excuse me, at the weigh-ins, Joe Rogan's like, how do you think this matchup, is this a better matchup for you? And Kevin Holland said, fuck no, but let's go, let's have fun. I love the honesty because <laughs> he knows right. this dude's a beast. I was going against a striker. Now I'm going against a guy who's going to jump on my legs. 
Uh, but you got to love the fight. But I, I, I literally, I look at Kevin Holland at plus 440 by knockout, which I haven't released yet, uh, is going to be even juicier. That that might take some of my money as well. But uh, interesting fight here, boys. Come in event, five rounds. Let's go. And BP, you, yeah. you know, again, we're, we're not exactly sure why Chimaev uh, didn't right. make weight, but that could be indicative of, of some kind of an injury, right? I mm-hmm. mean, yeah. so that kind of helps things a little bit more the way he, of Holland. I think when Rogan asked him, I think he bre- – I have to rewatch. I could be cor- incorrect. I think he briefly said real quickly when we was getting shower booze that they made him quit cutting. They told him to stop. I think he said that in his English. I have to go back and rewatch. So maybe the commission stepped in and was like, you're not, you're nowhere near it. Maybe he started really high. I don't know. Uh, apparently he gotcha. let the DS camp know they were high. There's a lot of things that misinformation. I don't want to spread false rumors, but yeah, I mean, listen, he can be coming in hampered here. He just, and his ego is very high right now. So he can go, I can go in without a leg and win. You know, that's what he's feeling right now. And you go against like Kevin Holland, who's going to snipe you from the outside. That could be dangerous. This is interesting. This is an interesting fight here. I know Jemaya is going to climb probably close to 800, but I'm going to keep an eye on that line for sure. And with the weight cutting thing, uh, Dana did say on the Sports Center interview that they had sent somebody up, and the doctor essentially was recommended that he stop cutting. Okay, so that's um, what he did say. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of times, you know, the, the UFC is great, and a lot of promotions are are good about it. When you come into fight week, they check your weight, right? So they, right. they know what the right. deal is throughout the week. They know how big of a cut or how little of a cut you're going to have to start that week or two weeks before that. So, um, you know, at least at least we know he's going to be healthy, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and that, you know, other bad health concerns are going to be avoided here. Yeah. Well, and word on the internet too was that they, the UFC walked into the weigh-ins this morning knowing that this was a possibility. So it wasn't mm-hmm. a complete blindside when, you know, Hamza, the, the rumors, the murmurs were going around this morning. So, you yeah. know, feasible to believe that sometime last night, you know, in the middle of the night that they started formulating this plan. So, right. Um, a lot of interesting stuff there. And especially the point that you guys touched on, you know, the weight miss, it might be injury related. It might be discipline related. As, yeah. as we see, it hasn't Good been point. very disciplined this week. So, you know, there's a, a lot point. of a lot of different factors coming into that fight. Did you see him tweet out that picture of someone photoshopped him and Darren really fat? And he goes, it's his fault, like because Till looks all fat yeah. there. <laughs> uh that's I mean, that's funny. I, he's he's like trying to lean into it, but then he goes on the after the weigh-ins and just completely like doesn't lean into it, just starts yelling at the crowd. It's a weird dynamic. And like Kenny touched on it and hit the nail on the head. He's he's an emotional, short fuse kind of guy. And that, you know, that might not be so good. And we gotta also remember he's a young fighter. Six. Right. This is his sixth fight, eleventh fight overall. I mean, that's still pretty young in his career. So, um, obviously, emotions and and lack of focus can really play a f- uh, factor in some of these fights, especially high level ones. And hey, maybe maybe a calculated heel turn. You know, he was the darling coming yeah. into this. You know, giving him the, the ki- giving him the. You know, we can say it now: the cake <laughs> yeah. matchup to go in there yeah. and look good, so that the promotion yeah. can put you over, and yeah. you pissed away all this goodwill. So. When they're sitting there in the matchmaker meeting on Tuesday, like his name has a little red dot next to it yeah. now. It's I gotta game. imagine the UFC so pissed at him for this. I mean, I know imagine he might not be able to control it or whatever, but it just seemed like the way he handled it, and, and just from an outsider point of view, it looks like he kind of you know. Usually, when people miss weight, they're like, "Sorry, sorry, I'm you know I fucked up or I'm hurt or whatever. I need the money or whatever." And he just like he was like, "Oh, that's not that bad." That's literally what he said. He's almost eight pounds ever. That's not that bad. So, um, yeah, it's interesting, man. I'm glad he's staying on the card because a lot of fans were like, get him off the card. Get, don't give him any money. 
But I'm glad. I mean, listen, the, I want to see the guy fight. I'm not. I'm not against him. I mean, he's still a fantastic fighter, and right. he's got to fight. He's got to fight with a guy that he fought backstage for free. So now we get to see it, you know, tomorrow night, which is great. Well, guys, the fight that I'm most excited Ooh. for, the fight that I wanted to happen, I, I predict these things. I this is the fight that I dreamed into existence. That's enough Conor McGregor quotes for this intro. Tony <laughs> Ferguson versus Nate Diaz. Tony Ferguson, a minus 120 clip versus Nate Diaz, plus 100. This line has had some significant movement since Move. I sent you guys the screenshot an hour and a half ago. Yeah. Ferguson, 25 and 7 overall. Diaz, 20 and 13 overall. Ferguson has only had 12 non-UFC fights. Nate Diaz has only had seven non-UFC fights. Ferguson began his career in 2008. Diaz began his career in 2004. Two absolute legends of the game. Kenny, I'm sure you can go back in, in the asphalt in the archives of your mind and picture yourself back in 2004 and 2008 a young spry young buck kenny florian never missing weight finishing nah, fights finish fights rolling through with that model hair neither fighters won since 2019 pettis for diaz and cerrone for ferguson fellas nobody's coming on here to listen to me intro this fight bp we're going to start with you and we're going to let the legend go Ooh. last Tony Ferguson yeah. minus one twenty and ATS plus one hundred. Where are you leaning? Man, I tell you what, this is this is one of the tougher fights I've had to pick. I wish I would have a little more time, but that ain't that ain't the fucking game. The game is let's get these picks out, and I love it. I live for this shit. Listen, I was on Tony over the leech. You know that was a great number at plus two fifty five. That Tony was gonna come in and wrestle a little bit. He looks pretty good at one seventy. He looks pretty filled out. Like when he cuts this was fifty five, he's really sunken in. Like it's very defined. He looks healthy. He looks good. You know he's got his hair gold. And he's, he's ready to go. Um, and then you got Nate Diaz, who obviously was training for Chimaev, so he's obviously been working ground game, working boxing. Has Nate Diaz ever get tired? He never gets tired, right? So this is, I think, going to play out everywhere. I think this is going to be crazy nuts everywhere. There's going to be blood. If there's, a, if there's a bet on DraftKings Sportsbook, will these guys bleed? And if it's minus $8 million, hammer it because these guys are gonna bleed and uh they, they bleed just walking into the octagon exactly. to be honest the yeah, man, yeah, when he puts yeah. vaseline nate starts bleeding like oh shit i got it's fucking fantastic i love these and and we've all talked about it we would obviously love this fight to happen sooner but that's not the reality the reality is we get them they're both in their late 30s they're both war-torn veterans and we both respect the fuck out of them and i'm, and I'm respectful that they took this fight and they respect for each other the weigh-ins. I thought there might have been a little some tense stuff. They shook hands. It was very nice. But they're not going to shake hands tomorrow night. There's going to be some middle fingers. There's going to be some weird Iminari rolls. There's going to be some shit going on tomorrow night, and I'm excited for it. Um, but I gave out Tony, and I feel like my, my guy Flo gave out Diaz, right? No, no, he gave out Diaz, and I feel like he might lean Diaz. I love Diaz at plus 100. I'm not going to lie. And this line is moving. When I got it, it was even. Now it's plus money. Um, but I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to say Tony Ferguson in an all-out war, an all-out decision. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be close. It's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun. But, I, you know, I, I feel like Tony it has a little more left, and I feel like Nate, even though this is his last fight and he's always a war, he's always a G, and we all love Nate Diaz, I, I, I'm just going to lean lean Tony here. And, and, I, and, and I'll, uh, the floor is yours, uh, Flo, but, yeah, I like Tony Ferguson just by a little bit, just by a little bit in this fight. And, and it's going to be five rounds. Is that correct? Is yes, correct. It to, correct. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah. just making sure. That's interesting, all right? Because, you know, Ferguson wasn't preparing for five rounds. Nate Diaz was. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Nate Diaz has been fighting at 170 pounds for a long time now. Uh, he's big. People don't realize when you, when you go up to Nate Diaz and you see how big he is, um, it, it typically surprises everybody. 
Um, Tony Ferguson, not a small lightweight either, but he hasn't quite packed in or filled into the welterweight division just yet, where I think Nate Diaz definitely has um, mm-hmm. and has for a little while. Um, these two are so similar. Like there are very few Tony Ferguson's and very few Nate Diaz, but you look at them, they're so similar. The way that they fight, the the drama, the chaos that they both create, the blood, as you mentioned, BP, that they bring into yeah. the octagon when they fight. Um, Tony Ferguson has uh, more of a variety of weapons. You know, he, he'll throw elbows. Uh, he'll spin into stuff. He'll do Imanari rolls. Nate Diaz, uh, more rice and beans, more uh, solid fundamentals when it comes to grappling, when it comes to striking, in my opinion. Um, doesn't throw as many kicks, though, as I, as I would like to see Nate Diaz throw. Maybe it changes for this one, but I, I don't think so. Um, both men love to come forward. Both men know how to adapt and come back in fights. For me, you know, both men have about the same experience. I think Ferguson has like 33 fights. Nate Diaz has like 34. Um, the big thing for me is Nate Diaz's experience at welterweight at this stage of their careers. Uh, Tony Ferguson moving back up from from lightweight. Um, I think he'll have a lot of energy early on. Um, but I, I think that Nate is going to be able to take Tony Ferguson's shots a little bit better then Tony's going to be able to take his. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the, the experience of that in that weight class, um, and I think the size is going to matter in this one. Tony Ferguson's best bet is to try to get those bows going and to try to get a lot of low kicks, whether it's to the calf or to the lead leg from the southpaw stance of Nate Diaz to try to slow him down. And and he's got he's got to fight smart. He's got to go in and out. That's the way you beat Diaz. You beat him with discipline. You meet him. You you beat him with footwork. You beat him with his ability to kind of um, you know stay flat footed while you move around the cage laterally. All that stuff. Um, Tony possesses that ability. I think. But he can't help himself if it becomes a fight. He just yeah. can't. That, that's yeah. just way. That's the way he's built. He's going to move forward, and he can still win that fight. I just think that's going to favor the larger man here, mm-hmm. uh, and the guy who's been at welterweight a little bit longer. Um, and, and I know Tony Ferguson has a history of fighting at welterweight as well, right from the Ultimate Fighter, all that mm-hmm. stuff. But um, he has made his name from that amazing streak fighting at lightweight. And he's fought some of the best in the world in, in, in the lightweight class. Um, he's had some tough losses recently. Um, Nate has as well, you know, the last few fights. Uh, so I, I love this fight. This fight makes so much sense for me. Um, both guys deserve all the respect in the world. Uh, love the way that these guys fight. I just like Nate Diaz here. Um, does it go to a finish? I'm not sure, but if it goes five rounds, guys, this is going to be another classic fight. I mean, this is just a no-brainer, and uh, well done to the UFC for making it happen. And to these guys for accepting. And a a point I want to make that Kenny made that's going to completely contradict what I said. Nate's been training at 170 for or five rounds. Tony took this fight on relatively short notice, up a weight, which he hasn't fought in a while, and he's going five rounds. Now, Tony's one of those wired different kind of guys. I think he eats five rounds for breakfast, but that's still when you when you're a high level guy against a bigger man, you know that plus number with what Kenny just said is is very interesting. But I'm still gonna rock with El Kukui. I'm still rock with my guy. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump ship. But uh, Kenny made some really good points there. Well, and something he did say in the press conference leading up to that, the press conferences that actually happened was yeah. that he started sparring again for this camp. He hasn't sparred in like five or six years. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he wasn't sparring for a five round fight. So that's true. You know that's yeah. a fact. If you're 
you know, and Kenny could speak to this better than I can, but if you're mentally going in there with a game plan that you've drilled and prepared for those three rounds and you have to extrapolate that over a 25 minute fight, I feel like that's a little bit of a different ask strategically. It is. Mm-hmm. It, it, the whole the whole camp is different if you're preparing for five rounds, in my opinion, and in, in my experience. Could I have gone five rounds? Sure. But for me, it's the mental component of knowing that you have prepared for five rounds. You know, uh, and typically for three round fights, I would do five rounders anyway, but, mm-hmm. you know, maybe six rounds. But it's just the consistency from your strength and conditioning to your boxing rounds, to your MMA rounds, to your kickboxing rounds, to your shoot boxing rounds, all of that revolves around going five hard rounds, not three hard rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and getting that switch up mentally is, is very different for a fighter in my experience. So, uh, but Tony is very strong mentally and this dude really doesn't get tired. So mm-hmm. he's got that going for him. Uh, Buffalo on the beat. I'm going to go ahead and call you out right here. Yes, this could definitely end in a draw. Uh, that would be exciting because then Nate's gone and we're going to be craving for a rematch. And, you know, 5,000. Hey, put a couple, put a tenner on it. What's that? Put a cup of coffee on it. You ain't going to miss that money. But Kenny, I want to ask wow. you what you were mentioning. Um, yep. When you did five round camps, did you do longer camps or just do more in the set time, like eight to six weeks, whatever your camp was? I would do, it was both. It was, it was okay. longer. Yeah, it was both. So I did, a, I would do a longer camp. Um, in some ways I, I would kind of, uh, build a, a stronger foundation and then kind of go into, gotcha. you know, yeah. the, the five round preparation more specifically. So my strength conditioning was way more intense. Um, you know, the, just the training and the management of all that was, was very different. Um, so yeah, I, I it's, yeah. It's just different. And you just, you know, you did the work, you know what I mean? And I think being unsettled with that heading into a five round fight could, could mess with certain guys. I think it probably would have messed with me knowing that, man, did I, am I a hundred percent prepared for this? I don't know. But Tony Ferguson is a different cat, dude. He he thinks different. He moves different. He does everything differently. So I'm I'm curious to see what his approach is going to be here against Nate, Nate Diaz. Does he start slow? Can he afford to start slow? Does he right. start fast and try to take Nate Diaz out like from the get-go? Uh, it, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, right. Tony's, like, Tony's 38 years old and thinks he can make a major league team pitching. So this guy is different. <laughs> you is, know what I mean? That's well, a hard thing to do. And look how he approached the, you know, the fight that you called, Kenny, the Lando Venata fight. You know, it's right. you know, he kind of went out there with more of a reckless abandon and had to reel that back, you know, because he realized yeah. like this is a real fight now. So yeah. it'll be interesting yeah. to see what Tony shows up. And my question to you guys, and Kenny, I'll start with you and then we can get on out of here, but who has the most to lose in this fight now? Because, you know, does Tony buy himself another loss in the UFC, you know, stepping up on short notice like this? You know, does he get a bit of a Sam Alvey treatment? And then for Nate, you know, a loss against Tony Ferguson, does that hurt him worse than a loss against Chimaev? I would say on a card of the, of, of these, uh, of this kind of magnitude, I think that Tony Ferguson is doing the UFC a big favor. And losing, even if he loses quickly, um, I, I, I still think he's going to be just fine. And, and again, given what he did at 155 pounds, the fact that this is a short, you know, uh, notice fight, um, he's doing them a big favor. He, he will be just fine. So I don't think he has much to lose here. I also think this is a fight that he's wanted for a very long time um, yeah. for a couple of reasons. You know, anytime you fight a Diaz brother at this stage of the game, um, it's going to mean more money down the line. And it's, it's the opportunity of a lifetime to beat one of those guys and then elevate yourself. Like this is what, 
Nate did against Connor, right? His life was never the same after that. Um, he is one of the biggest stars in the UFC for that reason and the way that he delivers fight. Tony Ferguson is that same dude. Um, so he's got nothing to lose here. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think this kind of favors Nate Diaz in a way, really, because um, I, I think this is a fight that he would prefer. I don't think he's going to be as concerned with the takedown and stalling. There's not going to be a whole lot of stalling when you fight someone like Tony Ferguson. I think Nate Diaz is probably the better grappler. I know Tony is dangerous on the ground as well. I just think Nate's probably wow. the cleaner, more experienced grappler. Yeah. In my opinion, he's longer limbs, too. He's bigger. Um, you know, Nate, Nate is, is very slick. It's his foundations that I think are so solid, which is going to be the difference here. Tony Ferguson, more, more dangerous in sniping with his submission attacks, but I think Nate Diaz is the better grappler. Uh, Tony has more weapons on the feet though. Um, he's going to have to use them and he's going to have to be smart at getting in and getting out. Um, so he can't fall for those traps up against the cage and getting caught there because Nate will attack the body, slow you down, uh, and touch you with that jab. So, um, it, it's going to be a fascinating fight. Um, so yeah, that, those are my thoughts. BP, I don't know what you think. Yeah. So I don't really think there's going to be a loser. I hate to be the asshole that can't answer your question, but I think Tony has more to win. So if Tony, cause he's going to be in the UFC and he goes, I just beat Nate. I'm on this four or five fight skid. I took it on short notice. He can really be a champion. If Nate wins or loses, he still has that army. Right. If he goes out and, you know, there's the, the rumors he's going to box Jake Paul, that's still going to be massive. Like, that's the Nate's the type of guy who's on that Connor level where even if he loses, he's still going to be big. I mean, look at the Leon Edwards fight. People only remember that one punch. Nate was getting smoked up until that one punch. You know what I mean? And the, and the Miles would all fight the BMF belt. Nate, I mean, it was it, it kind of competitive, but not really. Um, and people still, it doesn't matter. Like, Nate has 13 losses. Like, people don't care. Um, so I don't think either have much to lose. I just think Tony has more to win. Uh, and especially since he's sticking around and, and, and getting that, uh, doing a, a favor for the UFC and getting a big shine and having a Diaz on your resume, even if Nate does have 13 losses, that's still a really nice name on your resume for sure. Boys, I'm excited. And we, we know with all the drama that's happened this week, there's been a certain Irishman that's been a little quiet on social media. Yeah. So I, I guarantee that we get a little bit of an interest uh, from. He's he's busy on his boat. You know what I mean? He's busy on his boat. He's definitely he's, busy he's, on he's that busy boat. On that's one of his sure. boats. Yeah. One of his yeah. boats. I'm surprised. The one thing I will say about Conor McGregor, like I had a lot of theories going around that Shamayev thinks he's the man. He's the main event. They're not going to cancel this. I'm the guy. So I can miss weight. Conor McGregor is the biggest star this, this sport has ever seen. And he's never missed weight. That guy comes in. You know, 155, championship weight, 170, whatever. Injured or not, injured or yeah, not. injured or not, right? So I know we want to throw darts at Connor. I'm a Connor guy. He comes in, and he could be like a Costa or even, a, you know, assuming a Chimaev and be like, well, I'm not going to make weight. Fuck that. Let's do it at 165. Let's do it at whatever. I'm not cutting to 55. He's never done that. And, and he has the leverage to do that. So, you know, Connor's a professional, um, even if he's, you know, 45 minutes late for the weigh-ins and the press conference. He's gonna be. He's gonna. He's gonna be on time, or he's gonna be on weight. So, one thing I want to get the Connor shout out out there because I love the guy. No, oh, well, I think we're all Connor fans, right? Oh, yeah. Fifty G's, Kenny, Kenny, baby. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that that's the most interesting scenario, right? Nate wins. Yeah. It sets up a potential Connor fight. That's really the only scenario that'll keep Nate around in the UFC, right? Yeah, but, yeah. but here's the thing: you have Connor McGregor, sports and entertainment, right? Con Connor is not. I guess he's out of the out of the testing pool right now. Yeah. Uh, Nate started his own promotion. Connor's mm -hmm. got his own. 
Yeah. Ah, maybe maybe they're like, hey, well, why don't we just keep all the money to ourselves? So I don't, who knows right, what's gonna right. happen. So yeah, it might, yes, it might be them staying in the UFC, but it also might be them doing their own thing too. So right, right. Hey, it's if, I can, if, if I come with you, Kenny, and say, hey, we're gonna get a hundred dollars, but we're gonna pay forty out to some random dude. Right. We're like, yeah. why don't we just split the fifty? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's do it. Right. What are we doing? By the way, that that call, Kenny, I've never told you this before, is I don't want to fanboy too much since we're on a podcast together. But your Connor call over Marcus Brimage is one of my all-time favorites. Ah, thanks. This is why everyone's talking about him. I love it. Because when he came to the UFC, I it was, you know, it was in Sweden. It was it was a day card for us here in the States. And I remember knowing about him, like double champ. I knew him, you know, I follow Cage Warriors. And and then I was like, and Marcus Brimage, you know, he he came from the Alpha Fight or whatever, but you called that perfect, bro. I love that. That was good. (laughs) Thanks, man. That was fun. Yeah. Well, fellas, this was a lot of fun. So I appreciate you guys getting on last minute, you know, yeah, very man. last minute for the entire promotion, for the entire fan base. And I'm sure everyone watching appreciates it. Over a thousand strong here. On behalf of the Anakin Florian podcast, on behalf of John Anik in his hotel room, buried in scripts right now, <laughs> I'm Jay. Cody Merrill. On behalf of Brian Petrie, on behalf of Kenny Florian, subscribe to the Anakin Florian podcast. Check out our website. Check us out on Fight Pass for the Anakin Florian Fight Pass Rewind. Go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app from John's profile. And, fellas, that's it for me. Don't text and drive. You'll later. That's right. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.